0: Have you got your stopwatches? Let's go. All righty. Hey, now, last weekend, um, Nicole and I, obviously, we weren't here. We were in, um, in Victoria in Geelong. We spent most of our weekend there with the, with the leadership team from the Geelong Vineyard. Great church, great vineyard community, and um, right down there at sort of the this regional growing regional town and it was really great to be among them and then to worship with them on Sunday morning and do some team teaching there. You should have seen Nick, she was on fire. She keeps telling me, I can't speak, I can't speak, but she let me tell you, she can speak. So when you see her next, just go, come on Nick, we want to hear from you too. All right, so I give her a bit of an encouragement. Um, But anyways, it was a great time down there and we also spent time with on Sunday night with um, or Sunday afternoon with uh, the leadership team from John and Naomi's Church at Westgate in Melbourne. In the so we went from Geelong, where you look the western side of of of, the, of Melbourne, and then we went up to Westgate, which is just on the western side of the Melbourne city, which is sort of here. And we spent time in the afternoon with John and Naomi and their leadership team, and they're in, they're in an exciting phase. They're just about to. Um, put on another pastor on staff there and join their team, which is fantastic. They're going well. Keep praying for them. And then uh, that evening we met with um, another three pastors uh, at some place called the Firehouse. It was literally an old fire brigade house that's been renovated. And um, we spent some time encouraging the pastors there before we flew out, flew home on Monday. But one of the things that we we loved about our visit there was seeing the vineyard movement um, operating in another context, in another city, in another town, with another group of Jesus people. And, um, you know, we belong to a wonderful movement of churches. We're, we're a small movement of churches, of a little under 20 churches, um, but that's fast changing, actually. There's some exciting developments that over the next few years is going to um, see some substantial growth in new church plants and vineyard initiatives around the country. But one of the standout things that we noticed uh, in, in our observations of going and visiting was um, you get to see what disciples look like in another town. And um, there's a few standout characteristics that Nicole and I sort of chatted about um, post our visit. What did we see God doing there? And what did we see God, how is he transforming his, his people to be more like Jesus? And perhaps one of the um, big things that stood out to us was the fact that there was this group of people in Geelong at the vineyard there, and they are just really wholehearted about serving Jesus and serving each other. And now that doesn't sound like super revelation, really, does it? Like we had to go to the third heaven to have this encounter with Jesus and then we bowed down around the throne with all the elders and you know we actually saw the feet of God while we were there and uh, like in the in, in, uh, in, um, Exodus account where Moses went up the mountain. No, it was just an observation. It was like, wow, these people are really into this. They sincerely are given to serving what Jesus wants to do. Uh, in their life, in the life of their church, and the life of their town. And they're they're really given to serving each other. Now, I'm just about to open up a whole series of conversations for us that really we've started this year down the whole track of discipleship, of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. And um, simply put, uh, Jesus's invitations... To us is three words, come, follow me. And I'm going to open up a series of conversations for us over the next little while around this whole idea of what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus comes into our life. Jesus interrupts our life with his love and with his power. And then Jesus says, now you've tried living life your way. That's great. Now come, follow me. And we'll unpack that invitation a little bit more. Now, these guys in Victoria, if I could get you to um, go to the next slide for me, thanks, Thea. Uh, It should be titled... um There we go. Is it coming up? Oh, it's not coming up. There we go. You beauty, we got it. Come and follow me. So... If you've got your Bible, that's out of Mark chapter 1, 16 to 18, where Jesus is walking along and he says to um, Simon and Andrew, who are busy about their trade, their vocation, so they're not fishing because it's their, their um, hobby or their rest time. They're fishing because this is how they pay the bills and feed the family. Okay? And Jesus interrupts that by just walking along there and says, hey, you guys, uh, come follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. And at once, the scriptures say, at once they left their nets. Now, um, if you've also got, uh, can I flick you to the next one as well? There we go. This is the other scripture I want you to hang on to. It's in Mark chapter 10. Now, this is two, I want you to sort of hold that first scripture there and hold this one in, in tension as well. Um, but this is where Jesus is talking to a number of his disciples. So he's got his band of disciples now. There's a dozen of them. They're starting to tour the country, uh, proclaiming the kingdom, doing the stuff, healing the sick, casting out demons, figuring out what to do with people when they don't get healed, um, how to feed the poor. They're wrestling with all this sort of stuff. And then two of the disciples figure that this being on this tour group and a disciple is pretty good. We're getting some exposure now. People are starting to get to see us, so what we see is we start to see a bit of heart motive from these guys come to the surface, and and, and um, Mark writes this account. He says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, note the orientation of that, that request. It's, in other words, hey, Jesus, this is all about me, and I want you to do whatever I need you to do so that I can get what I want. That's the nature of that prayer, if you unpack it like that. And Jesus, um, he sort of entertains that a little bit. He says, well, what do you want me to do for you? And then it's like, well, here it is. And these guys say, well, we want to sit one on your right and the other on the left in your glory. So when you become glorious king, we want to sit on the left and the right. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for. Can you really drink the cup that, um, and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? We can, they replied. Next slide. Jesus said to them, you will drink this cup that I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with. That sounds a bit confusing, really, doesn't it? But to sit on my right or my left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Now, when the other 10 disciples heard about what James and John had just done, these guys get cranky at them. and They say, hey, they became indignant with them. And Jesus called them together and said, I, I could kind of picture that going on. You know, the 10 of them approached the two and say, are you for real? Pull your head in. Can you take, take stock of what you're doing here? You know, you guys have lost the plot. You need to get over yourself. And um, and so Jesus pulls them all in. Pulls in team disciple, and he says to all of them, he says, "You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom." for many. Now, when we were in Geelong, we went to dinner on Saturday night at this home of um, Sam and Ruth. And they've got three young children under under the age of seven. And there was about 20 of us that got there together for lunch, uh, for dinner. And when from the moment Nicole and I walked in, they shoved a drink in our hand. They made sure we had a nice seat to sit in. They just kept pushing food towards us, but most impressive of all was the fact that, that they had cooked what has become down there famous for us, which was Ruth's famous chicken wings. Now, Ruth's famous chicken wings, they talked it up. I mean, when we sat down, they talked it up before we even got to eat it. And then when they came out, there was these two massive trays. There was about 20 of us there. But these two massive trays with about, I don't know, maybe 60, 70 chicken wings marinated in I don't know what, but it tasted amazing. And there was just chicken dribble coming off all over the place. It was a great feed. But Ruth and Sam, from the moment we got there, they, they did everything that they could to make sure that we felt completely loved and welcomed and it wasn't because we were like some sort of official walking in the door it was because this is who they are this is who they are you see they're famous chicken wings See, I'm late to the party they're famous chicken wings because she's cooked those chicken wings for a lot a lot more people than before I even turned up so we now have been invited to this great party on Ruth's famous chicken wings um, but she made sure that we were loved. Um, they they spent days reorganizing their family and their family's um, situation and circumstances to make sure that everything was right for us when we got there. They went shopping. They took time to s- set this beautiful outside dinner table. Believe it or not, I had to. P- we had to put jackets on. It was cool that night. But anyway, it was um, this beautiful place, and they. Um, their love for us through all of this practicality and hospitality spoke volumes about their care and their concern for people in their life. We were blown away by this generosity and this care, and we were significantly touched because then we got to sit down with them and their whole team, their leadership team, and we'd, we'd prepared some stuff to share and teach and equip these guys with regards to being leaders, and they said, before you do anything, we would like to share with you a few things. And I said, we said, okay. And not sure what was going to come next. But they said, we've all taken time this week, all of us in this room, to ask God to give us words of encouragement and love from his heart for you and Nicole. And we were floored by that, that they took a whole week and, and they wrote it down, they they wrote down all these messages and then they shared them with us and then they prayed over us. Even this is even before we got to do anything. They've fed us, they've loved us, they've prayed for us, they've sought the heart of God for us. They've and they've opened their home, reorganized their family life and circumstances just because we were going to come along. And we were floored by the generosity of that love. So much so, we just were like, "God, does it get any better than this?" These people are amazing. They love you, and they're loving us. We were blown away by this generosity. They weren't um, lauding anything, and I, I I share this simple reflection with you this morning, because it's it's what these guys caught and what we were struck by, and what we said, God, we want to be like them. We want to be like the Jesus that's in them. Was that they have decided that their life is worth spending on other people, just like Jesus spent his life for their sake. Now, we might say, I'm not lording it over people, um, or but I am a servant. Let, let me just give you a, a little tip on what lording it means. Lording it over others simply means this. When Jesus says, I want you to be like me, and spend your life for the sake of another, and you say, Yeah, but my, I need my needs met first, or I want to sit beside you when you come in all your glory, there's another language for it. That's lording it over. We're taking our needs base and prioritizing it over the well being of another. Now, that's not saying that our issues are not important or our circumstances and our situations are not important to God. Far from it. But what it does do is it positions us to experience the favour of God, that our circumstances would be transformed by his love and power, not by our need to have things organised according to what we think is right. Now, next next little slide, um, to, um, Thea, thanks. The best The best chicken wings in Geelong. They look like this. Is this is what a servant servant did at in Geelong? Ruth and Sam and 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 their family. Um, This is what this is what servants do. They look around and they pay attention to who is there. In their field of vision. This is what Jesus disciples Jesus people do. Discipleship 101. Take your eyes off yourself and take a look around you and see who's actually there in your life. That's what Jesus' disciples do. They get their eyes off themselves and look around. How am I going? How many minutes have I got left? Three. All right. They also do this. They don't just look around. They also look at the needs of those who are around them. And then they ask God, Give us Jesus' heart for that person, for that situation, for that circumstance, and then they step towards it. Have you ever felt like God's asked you to do something that you know that you just do not in your own... You go, why are you asking me to do that? I don't have the, the skills or the resources for that. Why are you inviting me into that? Have you ever felt like you're in those spaces, in those moments... Well, that's what Jesus' disciples do. They trust God to walk you into those moments. And when you step into those moments, you will find the grace of God there for those moments. So many times Nicole and I have found ourselves in situations with friends, strangers, with family, where we see need and we, on, on the surface we go, God, we haven't got the goods for that. But what we do is we pray and we say, God, give us your heart because we don't operate out of our stuff. We want to operate out of you, Jesus. Give us your heart and give us your resources because we're going to step by faith towards that situation and that person. And we have seen him faithfully time and time and time again. Give us resources. Give us words of encouragement. Give us spiritual authority and power for the greater well-being of the person that we've just stepped towards. That's what servants of Jesus are like. This is what disciples do. They step towards and they see God fill you with his love and resources. See, that's what the best chicken wings in Geelong look like. That's what it looks like also when you meet people who need healing, who need deliverance when um, God asks you to empty your bank account for the sake of someone else, when God asks you the littlest of things to say, would you please do consider doing this for me? That's what it looks like to say yes and not lord it over. All right, I'm going to wind this up now. We're going to bring it in, all right? Last Sunday morning, Nicole and I, we were ministering at the Geelong Vineyard Church. And... When we got there, we got there about 45 minutes early, and we noticed that there was this crew of people in there, all tearing around, setting up, making sure everything was great, and then there was this little group of people over in the corner praying, God, God, would you come and like completely interrupt our life with your presence and kingdom today? So there's all this hive of activity going on uh, about 45 minutes before the advertised start time. And... You know who was busy tearing around in there, setting up chairs and packing stuff and making sure sound system plugs were working and microphones were set and everything? Sam and Ruth. Sam and Ruth. So they do great chicken wings and they are an amazing servants, you know, when when the family of God's getting together. They're running around, plugging in, praying, making sure everything's right. And you know what happened was, I'm thinking, these guys are outstanding. Jesus is all over these guys and... Then Ruth stands up to lead worship with Sam. And Ruth starts singing. And Sam starts playing his guitar. And my goodness, the Holy Spirit just like like ushered through that meeting with great presence and great power. And we saw some people get physically healed of sciatica and tendonitis, And they were completely healed. We saw the Holy Spirit just through the room as Ruth stood there and just sang these love songs to Jesus. I was like, oh, Lord, you honour the servants with your presence, Lord. You love to bring your presence and let it rest on the servants. Friends, Jesus didn't bring his presence to Ruth and to Sam as they worshipped with his love and power because he thinks they're doing a great job at being servants and disciples of Jesus. He doesn't do it for that reason. No, no, no. God comes with his presence and his power through disciples because disciples realize and understand and have had a heart conversion to understand that that being a servant of God is a life that is postured with action and sources of his power for the people around us. And the only way that that power, that grace, and that kindness of God's kingdom is going to move from our life to their life is for the disciple to posture themselves in a life of service with an orientation for the sake of the other. If you want to see an increase in the power of the Spirit, Let your life be interrupted by the circumstances and the need of others and not lord it over them with your own needs, but risk your needs to God and prioritise the needs of another and see the kingdom come. There's many situations that God is inviting you into this year and let's just just finish with that. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, a servant is the best way to describe a a disciple of Jesus. A servant. Note those words. Um, I'm just going to just go on to the, if you could go to the next one, just to finish with this scripture. Now, when Jesus was talking to these guys, he said um, about, you know, lording it over. He said, not so with you. Instead. So there has to come a There has to come a point where we go, it's not about me. Instead, it's about the other. But in doing so, we posture our life for the provisions, the power, the love, and the favour and kindness of God, because we are being like Jesus. We are being like Jesus in that. All right, now, I think I've probably gone over time, have I? What did I, what are we at? Six minutes over. What was? What's your clock say then? Twenty-two. <sighs> Hashtag the record fails. I don't know. We <laughs> gotta. We gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. Oh, what was that? <laughs> All right, guys. Let's let's stand and pray. We're gonna just. We're gonna finish up here. It's cranking hot. God, help me get to a fifteen-minute sermon. I pray. Father God, I just thank you for everyone here today. I thank you for the way that you're just continuing to invite us into a life of being a disciple of Jesus. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that for everyone here today, you just draw them closer into that life of going, you know what? Instead of me, Jesus, let me, let, let, I want my life to be all about you and others around me. And in doing so, experience the fullness of your kingdom favour and the greatness of your name for the sake of the world. Lord, I bless the disciples of Jesus in this place at Vineyard Pine Rivers. I ask for an increased reality of that for each and every person. God, that our eyes would be opened to look around, to see the need, to ask for your heart to step towards and to see the provisions of your kingdom come. Let there be great stories through the life of every one of these disciples, I pray, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.